to Falter Ego episode 12, um, sort of a bonus episode in a way. Um, I wasn't going to be doing any uh, episodes in, uh, recording anything in June. Um, I took a little month off. I've paused the uh, the Patreon payments and stuff, uh, paused all that. Um, I sort of announced it on Instagram saying, yeah, I wouldn't be around for a little bit um, because... I've done I've done eleven episodes. That's you know, once every fortnight. That's twenty two weeks, half a year. It felt sort of um, almost half a year. Felt sort of a nice symmetrical uh, time to have a little pause and uh, work on some other bits and try and improve some things. And I'm still doing all that. So in a weird way, I feel like this is a bit of a this episode kind of doesn't count because it's not incorporating anything um, that I've been uh, trying to fix um, at the moment. So this isn't this isn't a return. Uh, really, but uh, I did have some time, and I just wanted to um, to to get this one out, and not uh, and not be too much of a slouch, and try and try and you know make it worth. Even though the Patreon people aren't paying anymore, because um, I've paused that, I thought you know it'd still be nice to try and. Also, if you do uh, listen to this podcast and you're wondering why it hasn't been popping up, apologies that I didn't sort of announce it too publicly or anything that I was taking a little break because I just feel I feel like. That given the quantity of listeners to this podcast, that level of public broadcast about I'm taking a break, guys, feels um, it, it feels a little overkill. And as per the title of the show, a little bit, uh, bit a little bit narcissistic, a little bit. There's a bit, bit of ego there. I, I always sense that when people who don't have huge podcasts go on Twitter or whatever and say, "I'm my apologies to listeners." I just I need to take a break and focus on myself right now. It's fine. You do that. Nobody nobody was going to notice that your podcast wasn't coming out anyway. Um, so it just feel it feels a little bit like I don't know. It feels like leaving leaving a party early where you where you weren't the life of the party, and heavily apologising for your absence. It's like it's fine. The party is going to be fine without you. So sorry, I'm leaving. Just oh, I mean. Just, I feel really bad about going, everyone, because I just, yeah, no, it's fine. You go, you go. We didn't, to be honest, we didn't even know you were here, so that's fine. Um, it's not like it's not like I'm performing like open cranial surgery on you, and I've said yes, or I'm just going to pop out for a few weeks. It's like where the fuck's he going? Uh, that my life hangs in the balance. You can't just decide to go on holiday mid <laughs> mid surgery. Um, the stakes aren't that high, so I didn't announce it that much because I, I feel like there's a yeah there's a weird attachment to oneself in making those announcements where I'm pretty sure you're all grown ups and uh, were fine without me, so that's that's fine. But um, even though I am on a break, I did want to record something because um, it just you know it's nice to keep things going. So this episode is going to be on pop culture and what it can teach us about attachment. Um, I'm going to be specifically referencing um, the Star Wars series Obi-Wan Kenobi. Not that it matters. You don't have to have seen it for it to make sense. I'll try and refer to it in broad terms. Um, it might be a little bit spoilery. So um, if you really care about wanting to see it, then maybe you know wait till you've watched it before listening to this. But if you don't care about it, then feel free. Uh, to listen ahead. 
why talk about uh, attachment in relation to pop culture? Well, I guess because, you know, we often hear about attachment uh, discussed in contexts that are perhaps a little bit more abstract uh, and a bit more overtly spiritual. It's like, oh, attachment leads to suffering and all this kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, okay, if you really want to read about that, as I do, um, and get really deep into it, and we will do episodes on that, of course, um, then that's great. But, you know, there are attachment, and we can de- demonstrate the 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 problems with attachment uh, without having to get too uh, lofty and abstract and spiritual and talk about suffering and blah. We can actually talk about it in reference to uh, something we all kind of see every day and um, like, you know, like pop culture, Marvel, Star Wars and all these sorts of things and quite easily prove that attachment uh, does lead to suffering. And in this case, the suffering is what suffering is the quality of the things we're putting out into the world. Now, I I first noticed this, I mean, I've noticed this a lot before, but I guess it really came to the fore, it really crystallized for me recently when the Obi-Wan Kenobi series came out on Disney Plus. And I'm, I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm not a Star Wars super fan. I don't have posters of it in my bedroom and I have t-shirts you know I've no Star Wars paraphernalia in fact the only Star Wars paraphernalia I do have is a is a fake photoshopped poster uh in my office that was used in this sketch show I did for Amazon um which was the moth effect and uh I did a sketch about a writer who writes a completely original script a completely original Star Wars script and he's so happy uh, to have written it and uh, then the executive comes in and says oh you know you've got to there's just one person you've got to check in with before um before the script can be commissioned you've got to um run the script past an online fan and then everything goes really dark and scary and the way that my character in the sketch had to talk to the fan it was set up like someone talking to Darth Vader and we had um Craig Anderson the director also a terrific performer popping out of like a essentially a replica of um of you know Darth Vader's like pod that he sits in sometimes which was incredible like the props that were built by um there's a chap called Lee Lornay and he did um he led the team in building this thing and it was amazing it actually looked like Darth Vader's pod it's a lot of effort to go to to make a silly point about um, why we shouldn't listen to online fandom too much. But anyway, the only paraphernalia I have is is at the end of the sketch, my character comes back after this horrific um, meeting with this online fan. I think the title is um, Star Wars Episode Ten: The Return of Everyone as a Baby, and all those babies have a baby together, and it's one horrific hybrid baby all the fans love and the fans are awesome by the way and that's the title of the film that's the only bit of star wars paraphernalia i have in my in my life um but but, but what i noticed was so i i was really looking forward to obi-wan kenobi because obviously um i love the, the the character i love um alec guinness's portrayal in um you know in the original star wars films and i felt like you know you uh, mcgregor sort of had a harsh got dealt a naff hand uh, in, repri- in in doing the character in the prequels because they just weren't written that well. Um, and so I was looking forward to seeing what he might do with it because, you know, the, 
The Mandalorian seemed like uh, a hit. Like they handled that quite well. And I was keen to see what you McGregor might do with a bit of resources and time and whatever behind him. And what would a TV series, character led TV series with you McGregor at the head be like? And um, I was really looking forward to it. And as I was watching it, I just got this crushing sense that it was all, it just had a lot of weird naffness to it. There's just lots of silly mistakes and decisions and uh, like the editing was a bit bad. The special effects kind of actually a weirdly, I don't know, there's something off. There was just a weird sort of sense of, oh, they didn't quite nail that pervading the entire show you know there's a there's a scene in one episode they go to a planet that's got all these like night markets and it looks a bit like blade runner but because they're filming it in this space um called the volume which is essentially like this enormous wraparound um screen that creates a backdrop rather than having to use green screen but it means that everyone you're filming there sort of can't be too deep into the background because eventually you know the background is actually just a flat screen that you're going to walk into. And you're just aware that every space they're shooting in is only like 10 feet deep. And they just about get away with it. But it's just a, it's better than green screen, but it's also just slightly not real. And there's just a not realness pervading the whole thing. And there's, you know, there's a scene where a young princess Leia is trying to run away from some bad guys and, she kind of climbs through a fork in a split tree and the bad guys get stumped by that rather than just going round the tree. Like just that weird directorial <laughs> decisions, that, that lots of little... Uh, and again, in the night market, she seems to manage to escape and confuse Obi-Wan by like climbing under a market stall table and then he's like, oh my goodness, where's she gone? And it's like, well, she's right there. Like she's <laughs> just... There's a weird uh, inability to execute three-dimensional space throughout the whole show. Um, there's the villain in the show or the supposed villain, which is Raver, who's this uh, an inquisitor who's like a Jedi hunter. She's weirdly imbalanced. Like, she gives a great performance. And again, it feels a bit like that Star Wars syndrome of, like, great actors being not handed not much on the page because she's obviously doing a great job but then just in terms of the context of the show like she's meant to be the this or like the, the baddest bad guy scary at least in the first four episodes you're meant, you're meant to believe she's the villain but then her two colleagues the other two inquisitors like clearly the most evil awful like they're comedically bad like this sort of um you know they've got like white scarred skin with weird marks all over them and one of them talks like this and he's really mean sounding and the other one is extremely evil and british and it's just like okay and she's just like she sort of acts as a normal human um which i suppose is important later on in the series but as an intro like you kind of can't put a footnote at the bottom of the screen all the time saying by the way trust me you're going to really like her by episode five. Like there's just nothing to go off in those first four episodes to make her like seem plausibly 
a baddie. She just seems like angry a little bit. She seems like she's at work and she's a bit annoyed. Like, why aren't things going my way? Just She just seems like a, a regular person who's a little bit angry for the whole time. Um, which, if she's meant to be this, the e- most evil person ever, um, or like the main antagonist is a bit when she's got these other two like freaks standing next to her, like oh what are we going to oh, like horrible and then she's like oh god damn it Leia's got away again oh that annoys me it's just like it's weirdly imbalanced um and then also Darth Vader comes into the show so then really like is she the baddie but then she doesn't seem that bad because now you've got Darth Vader who's clearly really bad so now it's like, well, who's the main antagonist of this? So it's just like plot-wise, it's all a bit sloppy. There's there's no John Williams uh, music in it, so it doesn't even feel like Star Wars. Like when Darth Vader comes out of a spaceship, you want pom 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 pum, you know, you want that. But it's just this like new music that they. It feels a bit like a tribute band or like fan fiction or something. Um. Darth Vader, they use too much, so he's he's slightly not as cool anymore. Like you know, he's just diluted. Um, and when they do use him, it's like trying to do stuff that you can tell is trying to please the fans, because like fuck, he can you know, he fights someone with a lightsaber without even using uh, a lightsaber; he just uses his hands and does this kind of like force tai chi, um, which he's you've never seen him do in any other time. And then there's just these like odd little editing mistakes. Like, you know, there's a bit where Hugh McGregor's deflecting lasers with his lightsaber. And as he's doing, he's kind of like kicking his leg up in the air as if he's... It looks like Hugh McGregor, the actual person, is having fun playing with a lightsaber rather than being a Jedi who's really good at doing it in that calm, meditative sort of way that we've seen in, in other... In pretty much all the other lightsaber fights. But he's just like cocking his leg up left and right like um so it is it kind of just doesn't i can't believe somebody saw the rushes you know the raw footage of that and went yeah that's that has to go in um raver shoves a stormtrooper like as if come on hurry up get to the front line and start shooting and it kind of doesn't move uh it's just odd there's just lots of odd stuff uh in there's a really daft scene where they smuggle Leia out of this high security prison under like a large trench coat that Obi-Wan's wearing. So it's, there's clearly another person under there. And it's just so odd that none of the stormtroopers noticed like, oh yeah, this is a high security like prison facility. Uh, and we've meant to be on the lookout for a Jedi who clearly we all know what he looks like by now. And oh, look, there he is, except he's wearing a cap. So like, he's not even disguised, everyone. Like I could tell if, if I put a small hat on, you would still recognize me. Anyway, that guy looks suspiciously exactly like Obi-Wan, except for the hat. He's wearing a massive trench coat with an extra pair of legs sticking out the bottom. That's not, maybe it's just an alien. Maybe it's just a weird alien with from a planet where people have one set of grown-up legs and one set of kids' legs. Maybe that's what it is. Anyway, I'm going in too much. The, the, the short version is 
there were lots and lots of weird mistakes. It felt a little bit cheap. Um, Ewan McGregor's trying his best, but overall, it just feels a little bit overwhelming. And I've watched it, hoping to enjoy it. And uh, but the overall impact is that I've just felt generally just like, oh, like, no, they didn't need to make this. Like, this is just contributes nothing. You know, if my daughter, who is five years old, nearly six, got into Star Wars or watched the originals and then the prequels and said, hey, is there anything else? I, pro- I just wouldn't mention it to her. I wouldn't say, oh, you've got to watch this. I mean, if she stumbled on it, I wouldn't like ban her from watching it. Um, because that would be pretty strange. You must not watch the show. Um, <laughs> be, be, that would be a weird hill to die on. Um, but I certainly wouldn't go out of my way to recommend it to her. Anyway, the point is, it wasn't that good. It just wasn't that good. I'm sorry. It just wasn't that good. But you go online, and what I noticed was people were just just singing its praises, but... Interestingly, the reason they were singing its praises seemed largely to do with the deployment and inclusion of fan favorite characters or moments from the comic books that are considered, you know, canon. Um, And so really the reason they think the show is great is because it has fan-pleasing moments in it. And this is where I want to get, this is sort of the point of this episode, which is that if if you are so if if you as a you know disney or star wars or whatever exec if you're you know or marvel if you're kevin feige or, or is that how you say his second name or john favreau you know if you're any of those people and you can just knowingly and predictably rely on hundreds of thousands of people just lapping your stuff up because they're so attached yeah, this is the thing, attachment. They're so attached to these characters that merely showing them the characters interacting immediately makes them have multiple orgasms. Then the pressure is slightly off for you to deliver something that is crafted and even, you know, borderline artisanal, like has has an element of trying to craft something special and unique and and fantastic um if you can rely on people to have that level of attachment like uh, there was you know there's a fight scene in episode three i think of obi-wan kenobi between darth vader and ewan mcgregor sorry darth vader and obi-wan kenobi yeah that's weird actually they actually found not not ewan mcgregor they didn't make darth they didn't make make a genuine sith lord uh fight an untrained civilian actor um no surprises darth vader won he force choked ewan mcgregor to death no darth vader uh, facing off against um obi-wan kenobi and it was just again it was just like poorly filmed because obi-wan kenobi's in the dark in the desert kind of panting and looking around left and right like oh oh my god where is he oh oh my god and then you just hear you know and there's a red lightsaber in the dark. And they have a a fight where sort of Darth Vader just lunges at him and whack seems as though just whack him with a lightsaber and he Obi-Wan Kenobi falls over and it's very somewhat anticlimactic. But he, he's a Obi-Wan Kenobi runs away. Like he actually just runs off. And it's not clear 
I mean, if he's running to escape, then he should just commit to that. But he doesn't. He kind of runs off and then stops and turns around and looks around again. After He's clearly on screen run about 11 feet <laughs> in a direction. And he sort of runs around the corner of like a sand dune or something. And then he stops and he looks around as if to say, I think I've lost him, guys. And I'm watching it going, you've walked, you walked in, in that over there a bit. <laughs> That's all you've, like, who, what? And Darth Vader's a Jedi guy. He can feel you, can't he? Like you just, why did you think walking slightly in that direction was going to, what, shake him off? And then, so he's looking around and then again he hears, and, you know, Darth Vader surprises him. And he's like, oh my God, you know, he looks shocked that, Darth Vader comes around the same corner that he walked around four seconds ago at not great pace. Like he sort of canters. He 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 thinks he can ex- he can escape a dark Jedi by cantering back and to the left for eight seconds at a speed even an injured child wouldn't struggle to keep up with. And then he's surprised by it when Darth Vader pops around the corner and says, oh yeah, I just came from around there. Maybe I should have run either a bit further or a bit faster or a bit of box A and B and run really far away if he wants to escape. Um, so I don't really know what the point of that was. And the, there was no dra- the drama of the camera work and the music was suggesting that this was extremely terrifying and interesting and scary. But you can't get away with the fact that the camera work is just showing you a, a grown man just walking somewhere for a few seconds and then the other man he was with 10 seconds previous also walking around the same corner as if that wasn't going to happen. So it was just, again, poorly filmed. It was just poorly filmed. And then again, you know, Darth Vader, um, again, spoilers, but, you know, Darth Vader drags Obi-Wan Kenobi through a fire. But then the way Obi-Wan Kenobi escapes is that one of his friends shoots like a barrel of oil or something and it explodes, creating fire between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan. So it's like the fire that Darth Vader was very happy to drag Obi-Wan Kenobi through previously is suddenly now as a massive problem. And also... In later episodes, he's you know he's levitating entire ships and stuff. So if why if he's that keen on capturing Obi Wan, he's only again he's only like six meters. There's like a, there's a small fire between him and Obi Wan. He can still see Obi Wan on the floor over there, and he just doesn't bother. Just float him up and bring him towards you in the sky. Like you can with anything else. Either, oh my God, I'm getting so far down the rabbit hole. Either the fire isn't a problem because you were literally just dragging Obi-Wan through it six seconds ago. So, or if it is a problem and you for some reason now don't want to drag him through the thing that you were dragging him through before, if it now is a problem, just float him over it. But no, he just looks at him 
looks at it and goes, oh man, there's a fire now. It's a, it's a second fire. It's not the same fire that I was dragging him through. It's a completely new fire. I mean, this is unprecedented fire. I've never encountered this specific fire <laughs> before. So I guess I'm going to have to let that man that I've been chasing for fucking a decade or whatever, I'm going to have to let him go. I'll just have to wait. Hopefully next time we fight, there won't be this specific fire between us again, because otherwise that'll, I'll have to let him go again. You know, it's just odd storytelling. But you go on Twitter, you go on social media, and you see people, oh, my God. Oh, the fight between seeing Darth Vader and Obi-Wan finally come face to face. Oh, I'm like this. And then, you know, a gif of someone screaming or pulling their hair out or something. Like almost one for one, the reaction was just, you know, extremely positive. And I can't help but feel that the only reason for that positivity is because we're so attached to these characters and we're so attached to the idea. I think, well, two things. One, we're attached to the characters and we love them, as I do, right? We love them, but we're so attached to these characters that the mere sloppy filming of the two of them meeting again is enough for us to be excited. Um, and more broadly, we're so attached to the IP, the intellectual property, we're so attached to the concept of Star Wars that we just can't see anything wrong with it. We just have to like it because it's Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader meeting. It's Star Wars. This is great. I love it. You've ticked all the fan boxes. And I can. I just feel like fandom in this case, attachment, is just, uh, it's just letting creators, you know, uh, and directors and story writers and stuff just get away with presenting us with stuff that's not that great. Um, attachment has given them a bit of a blank check to sort of, well, as long as we jump through these hoops, make Obi-Wan meet Darth Vader, make this happen, you know, make, um, throw in a reference to Attack of the Clones or something, something the fans will like, then doesn't matter if the directing is a bit weird or the editing's weird, there are odd mistakes in there, the, the, the balance of characters is off because you've got a villain that's meant to be the villain, but she's also not really the main villain because Darth Vader's now in the show. So now you've got two villains and like, and we're only going to reveal, um, we're only going to reveal her true purpose in episode five. It's not like, I mean, the thing with Raver, this is a real Star Wars episode now, but the thing with Raver that I found so disappointing um, for the, especially for the performer's sake, um, for the actress's sake in episode five was there's a twist in episode five that really sheds her character in a new light. But unfortunately, because up until then, they really haven't, they just didn't really give us too much to work with. It's not like you were also invested in who you thought the character was. You know, it's not like, um, it's not like the usual suspects um, back in the days when we didn't know Kevin Spacey was uh, uh, a bit of a, yeah, not a great guy. Um, but it's not like the usual suspects where you, because his performance is so great and they've given him so much to work with, 
um, and so much range that you're invested in that character. And then at the end, when there's the big twist and suddenly you realize everything you thought about the character was wrong, you're like, fuck, well, now I like him even more. There's not that, you're not given that um, journey with her because she's just on screen sort of not being as scary as the other bad guys and not seeming like she almost belongs in the Star Wars universe. She just seems like a slightly angry person all the time compared to these other, you know, quintessentially Star Warsian villains. Because, you know, Star Wars has had, you know, Darth Vader, Darth Maul, Palpatine, um, Count Dooku was pretty scary. Um, even General Grievous, like that robot thing, was kind of quite idiosyncratic and interesting. Um, but then you've just got this person who's so it's it's a it's a it's a universe packed with iconic villains, and then they've just for Raver they've gone yeah can you sort of just be slightly disappointed in every scene and go oh gah oh they got away oh I'm angry like it just doesn't seem like they fully thought that through or that they had their eye on the twist in episode five so much that they thought that retroactively that would somehow, you know, have a halo effect, a retroactive halo halo effect on how we perceive the character. But just, again, I, I feel like she wasn't given enough to work with, which is a shame. But um, anyway, our attachment means that they can just throw these things at us. And I think really, you know, fans should be pissed off. Or not even pissed off, because being pissed off is also a form of attachment, isn't it? If if you're so invested in that this show has to be great, um, then when it's not great or it's not perfect, then there's also backlash. Like, this fucking sucks, I'm cancelling my Disney thing, and I'm never watching blah, blah, blah again. It's like, just, just don't react to it. Just say, well, it's not that great. Vocalise that it, it was okay... But it wasn't that great. And I, to be honest, I'm not that impressed by it. But if you're attached to something, then you're either going to say, this is the best fucking thing. Oh, my God, Obi-Wan Kenobi met Darth Vader. It's like, yeah, of course, they, of course they were going to meet. They live in the... Anyway, how, of course that was going to happen. Um, or you, if you're so attached to it, then you love it too much, then you're going to react to it negatively, too negatively. And you see that on Twitter and social media as well. People saying, this is the worst fucking thing. I mean, the other thing, you know, people get too attached to as well, which again is why I feel sorry for Moses Ingram, the actress, is that, you know, people get weirdly attached to their own uh, identity nonsense as well. It's like, I'm fucking black. I mean, she's been, you know, she's been racially abused. It's like, how, how attached to Star Wars are you that, you feel the need to, you know, racially ra- spread race hate uh, because of a certain actress didn't, I don't know, match the choice you had in your head. Like how attached to the idea in your head that you had in your head are you of who this character should be? Um, so again, attachment all around. It's, it's either leading to unnecessary and, and undeserved praise or like outpourings of complete contempt and hatred um, for what is, you know, a fairly average um, show. And so I think, you know, I I would say the best way to be a fan 
is to be an unattached fan, which is, I, I think is what I would classify myself as. I would classify myself as an unattached fan. So I love Star Wars. I really love it. I loved watching it as a kid. I, you know, at high school and university, um, you know, I, I always enjoyed doing the voices. Those were, those were some of the first, like, impressions that I learned how to do is, you know, Obi-Wan, you know, the Emperor has already won. You were our only hope. But I think, you know, if you really like something, then you should want the best for it. So it's it's weird. I, and I, you know, I don't want to get too, I mean, I've obviously talked about Obi-Wan, <laughs> the series for this entire episode so far, but it applies to everything. Like it, it, it's, it's weird. If you really like something, if you're a huge Marvel fan or a huge whatever fan, I think uh, it's healthy maybe to occasionally not like their stuff and call it out for being fairly average um, and just not go and see it. Like, you don't have to go and see something just because, I don't know, it's another one in the series that's interconnects the storyline. So, like, if it's not a good film, then that's that really should be the metric by which you know, you judge these things and whether or not you invest your time and money. You know, you've worked hard for that money. Uh, you don't owe it. You don't owe loyalty to a brand just because you're attached to the characters and have fall, you know, you've fallen in love with it. So I, I, you know, I would say I'm a non-attached fan. You know, I really love Star Wars, but I've watched, you know, I watched The Mandalorian and I was like, eh, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's pretty good. I watched Obi-Wan Kenobi and I think it's sort of a bit rubbish. Um, Marvel, I just cannot keep up with anymore. And again, you can see the marketing strategy. You can see, it's just, I mean, Marvel now seems to be suffering from crossover itis. It's like every fucking movie now for the last, whatever it is, three films are just endless crossovers because again, now that they, you know, the thing, the thing that Marvel did that was so original at the time that is now increasingly becoming less original is that you know they started out with these individual stories they started out with iron man and then i went on to you know then there was thor and captain america and these these separate things and then slowly they you know they would cross over um and you know in and in, into the avengers and that was like wow i can't believe they've slowly been building to that how crafty and then, of course, there was the final two Avengers films, was the Infinity War and um, Endgame. And it's like two movies of, of all of them again, and then even crossing over with themselves. Like the second Infinity film was them traveling back in time and you seeing, it was almost like a retrospective of the shut of the, of the series. Like a, so now they're even crossing over with themselves. And then... Since then, we've had, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home. It's like, oh, we've got all the Spider-Men that you love. You know, Gar uh, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. You know, in the next, the Thor movie that's coming out, it's got um, all of the, you know, it's got the Guardians of the Galaxy, but they're bringing uh, Natalie Portman back in. It's oh, my God, Natalie Portman's back. Um, and, you know, all the Doctor Strange film was just, again, just... It had Patrick Stewart in it from the X-Men. And again, it's just that thing of just, just they can't leave well enough alone, can they? They know now that 
these crossovery things please the fans. And so it's like every film is just has to have a nod to one of the other films or has to have a character. I mean, I think, you know, Patrick Stewart bowed out so gracefully in um, Logan. And again, I'm not, I'm not a massive Marvel fan. I kind of just watch them more as a, uh, someone who has to be sort of professionally curious about these things, but I still enjoy them. Um, and I think, you know, that they went out on such an interesting and, yeah, as far as superhero movies go, you know, that was, that was as poignant and interesting as you can get was that Logan film. And his character died. Um, and then it's just, no, no, but now Kevin Feige wants his crossovers. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. No, it's this multiverse of opportunity, isn't it? It's like, what? which characters can we bring in? We'll get Wanda in from the WandaVision TV series that now you have to have watched. And we'll get uh, Patrick Stewart's in it, and they've got the you know, Fantastic Four. We're rebooting the Fantastic Four. And the movie feels like not just crossovers, but as T. At the movie, all of Marvel's films are now teaser trailers in themselves for other movies that haven't happened yet. Like with John Krasinski as what's his face, Captain Stretchy, <laughs> whoever he is, Mr. Mr. Long Arms, what's Mr. Fantastic? Who gives a shit? Um, you know, now that he's in, we know we're getting a Fantastic Four thing. And then instantly there's 200 articles of Easter eggs you might have missed in the, you know, what John Krasinski's cameo means for the Marvel franchise. It's endless, endless op-eds and endless speculation. So, you know, Marvel are just doing it more and more and more of just, well, as long as it's got, you know, as long as it's got these characters popping up, that'll make everyone really happy. And, um, you know, again, was it, is it a good film? And, you know, I haven't seen it yet precisely because I was like, I can't be bothered forking out money to just go and see a bunch of crossovers that people are going to stand up and applaud when fucking Patrick Stewart appears on screen just because he's, just because he's a character you like, just because you're attached to him. Um, seemed to me like the reviews weren't that great and it's like if that movie launched on its own merits if it weren't part of an interconnected universe with characters that you really love and are attached to would it have cost someone is it 800 million dollars i mean this is the thing 800 million dollars for a movie that is okay it's crazy and i just think we don't owe these people we don't owe these people loyalty. We don't owe them anything. They, they, need, you know, by being attached, we're letting them get away with fairly, you know, bog standard stuff. Um, and it's, it's clearly crowding out. I mean, it's just, you know, there's just, there's not enough. Uh, we need more original art. We need more. Uh, beautiful salient things to be said about the world and it seems to me like you know as with Facebook, Amazon, um, Apple, Coca-Cola, McDonald's you know it's happening with movies now is we're getting muck the muck cafe-ization of bloody movies now of just churning stuff out that tastes good and is yummy, but that is inherently not nutritional and not that good for you. Um, 
and they're just getting away with it and it's just getting lazy because we're attached and i think you know it's it's fine to be a fan of something of course it is love things it's great passion is great um love star wars love marvel but you know don't if you love something really what you want if you really love something you should want the best for it and so blindly going fuck me that that episode was so great because darth vader fought obi-wan kenobi it's like yeah that's that's what you know that's what it that's that's a pitch that's a pitch in a meeting what if darth vader fights obi-wan kenobi that's that anybody can say that but was it executed well was it filmed well was it a good show or, or did obi-wan kenobi run off around a sand dune and then get surprised when Darth Vader popped around the same sand dune. No, <laughs> that's that can't let who let that get in. What director or cameraman or editor went, Yeah, sorry. Uh, oh, no, <laughs> yeah, which which of those three just sat, all three of them just sat and watched him and went, Yeah, that's perfect to go in. You sure you don't want to do another take? No, no, that was great. It's just it really sells that Obi Wan is shit at running away from things um is that what we're trying to get across here i don't know great they they met up anyway that's fine the audience will love it so i think you know being just love things but that doesn't mean you have to let the, let them get away with stuff it doesn't mean that we should just constantly fork out money just because they've ticked all our fan boxes um Conversely, you know, I went and saw everything everywhere all at once. And I, I put a little review of that up on Patreon. Um, if you're a supporter and haven't seen that yet, it's on there. Um, I went and saw that and like cried. <laughs> I cried like three times. Uh, I think once out of sad, tw twice from sadness and once out of joy. Uh, and it was one of the most poignant movies I've ever seen in my life and completely original and weirdly somehow managed to condense like Eastern philosophy into some multiverse Kung Fu narrative about a mum and her relationship with her daughter. I mean, it was just the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. Um, but you know, there's that, that's one film. We've had one of those and we've had, whereas, you know, Marvel are planning, have announced they intend to release like fucking what, like nine films in the next three years. It's ridiculous. I want nine multiverse of madness level, not nine spin-offs of, sorry, I want nine movies that are as original and brilliant as everything everywhere all at once. That's what I want more of. I don't want an endless stream of Marvel films. Yeah, but the next Marvel film, Doctor Strange teams up with Thor. It's like, I don't, I, great. Is it written well? The worst, I mean, the worst way that fandom and fan attachment manifest is when you start getting to, um, you know, the political sphere. And that's, and again, it's just that thing where you're so attached to things being one way that you can't possibly see any flaws in your position or, or, criti or you can't take criticism. Um, uh, you know, culturally, I think one of the worst things I've ever seen <laughs> in living recent living memory was you know the the johnny depp um amber heard trial which i mean again attachment leads to not just suffering 
It also leads to a clouding of the truth. It leads to an inability to grasp things as they actually are. And it's just a complete lack of acceptance. Um, but, you know, you saw in that trial, I mean, that became a piece of pop culture content where people, again, had their favorites. Um, predominantly, everyone's favorite was was Johnny Depp. Um, and again, I you know, you look at, I mean, this is such a weird comparison to make, but, you know, you look at how excited people are when Obi-Wan fights Darth Vader um, in what is ultimately a poorly shot sequence. And then, you you know, you look at Johnny Depp turning up at a trial and you wonder how many people are seeing him as all his characters that they love. You know, how many people are seeing Captain Jack Sparrow and have just attached to that and immediately like, well, I'm on team Johnny Depp. So don't be on team anything. Don't be on team Marvel. Don't be on team Star Wars. Don't just love a piece of content because it happens to contain characters in it that you're attached to. And don't be team Johnny Depp. Like, it's a trial. You're not allowed to have teams in a in essentially what is a private... I mean, I know it's, it was televised, and I know these people are famous, but it's essentially a, a, a legal matter between two private citizens and you're saying you're on team someone it's not a team sport it's a fucking trial but you know again just the 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 attachment of like i just i just wonder if anyone on team johnny depp hashtag fucking i stand with johnny depp what would it take for anyone on that team to accept that uh he was wrong like what piece of evidence would it have required? What piece of evidence would it would have done it to make them go, oh fuck, actually no I'm on team Amber Heard now? Um I I I reckon nothing. And if if you're again, it's about attachment. If you're so attached to something that glaring evidence to the contrary or, you know, some critical thing won't rock you, then you know, your attachment has allowed you to become irrational and unscientific because you're now refusing to accept any other perspective purely because you're, you know, you've, oh, you've put all your chips on red, you know, you've put all your chips on Johnny Depp. So now you just have to believe and cross your fingers that he's, that he's right. You know, you've put tweets out, you got selfies with the t-shirt on. So now if he's guilty, you know, you're going to look stupid. So now you've got pride on the line as well. So you've got attachment, you've got ego, you've, you're personally invested in this going well. Same goes, and again, weird comparison, but it's a, the theme of the episode is, is attachment. I don't, I'm not going to be too scared about offending people by making glib comparisons, but because the point still stands. But, you know, if you've, if you've taken selfie, if your bedroom is full of Star Wars toys and you've got the Star Wars T-shirts, um, you're gonna say that Obi Wan fighting Darth Vader is the most amazing thing ever because you're you've invested in it. You've put your pride and ego into the mix, and so now you cannot. You're gonna have to just uh, communicate and dictate that this show is amazing because otherwise you've based your life on fucking nothing. Um, you know, you based your whole life on some movies that used to be good in the. 70s and 80s um it's you know fandom and attachment is is just so unhealthy and it seems like we're doing it more and more with more and more 
um, events, politics, um, the pandemic with being, you know, either anti-vax or, I mean, I, I would say the anti-vax people were, were, were the fans. They were attached to something. And I think most of the rest of us were sort of, I mean, I'm, 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 you know, unashamedly a fan of science, but I think again, in the same way that I'm a non-attached fan of Star Wars, like I love it, but when it's crap, I'll say it is. I'm not a blind follower of science. I just, I'm, I'm still waiting for it to be, you know, proven completely wrong. But if on the day it is, I'll happily accept that. Whereas I think, you know, the problem with being conspiratorially minded or anti-vax is that Again, what will it take for you to admit you've been proven wrong? If the answer is absolutely nothing will make you admit that, then your attachment has, has made you blind. And again, that's why the spectacle of the, the, the Depp Her trial was so awful to watch because, you know, and I, I couldn't go online and click on any of the hashtags because, well, A, it's not my business. Like I said, it's why, why are you on team anyone? Um, it's a trial, you know. You're not sort of entitled to be on a team, I'm afraid. You kind of you're entitled to sit back and watch and let legal experts hash it out. But I think you know that was impossible as soon as it was televised and it was being tweeted about. Um, and there is absolutely no way that that trial can now happen objectively because everyone turns into bloody legal experts. But you know, people are screen capping or taking screenshots of. You know, Amber Heard at the precise moment she happens to be making, you know, a, an expression that's, you know, facial expression that's not flattering or makes her look like she's crazy or something. Um, and it's like I could do that with Johnny Depp easily. I could take, I could, I could go through that trial now and scroll through all the footage and just find, you know, fifty images of. of Johnny Depp smirking or whatever and say, oh, he thinks, you know, he thinks violence is funny. You know, I could do that. It's the, as soon as people started doing that, you just realize that this is, yeah, this is fans who are attached to an outcome. Um, and, and, and really sadly is that, you know, they're so attached to their, this, you know, pop culture figure that they love, which is Johnny Depp that, you know, it's, I mean, their attachment has clouded their judgment to the point that they're just openly engaging in misogynistic abuse of Amber Heard. Um, it was grim seeing all of that. And I'm not saying that she's not, I'm not saying she's perfect. It's clear from listening to everything that, you know, there's a heap of bad shit going on between those two and and neither one of them uh, are angels. But um, But again, it's like, you, uh, there is no way now, having clicked on either on any of those hashtags, that I will ever be able to form um, an accurate, uh, you know, clear uh, perception of what happened between those two, because just the internet made it impossible, and people, people's teamness, team mindedness, and the vehemence with which they. Um, yeah, went after Amber Heard, just made the whole thing extremely, just obfuscated the truth. I mean, this, this is the thing, attachment obfuscates the truth and it's just that I can't now see what on earth is real. I don't know what's real. 
There are people who love Johnny Depp so much they were waiting outside the courthouse with llamas to or alpacas to cheer him up. It's like what the what is this? Isn't this this is two people having a legal matter between between the two of them? Like if my dad um got divorced from my mum, I wouldn't expect people to turn up with alpacas outside. Like what the what the fuck are you doing with alpacas? Outside my parents' divorce. You weirdos. Like, just leave them. I'm on Team Tony Twemlo. Don't be. Can you fuck off? <laughs> Don't be on Team Anything. Be on Team Let the Professionals Get On With Their Job. It's a, it's a matter for the professional class, right? It's not a matter for pundits or fans or attached fans, right? You don't, you don't, when you're in hospital getting a diagnosis, imagine if there was a crowd outside, like, I'm on team emphysema, I'm on team uh, asthma. Like, can you, why, (laughs) why are all these strangers outside with placards rooting for opposing illnesses? So, oh, fuck the asthma team. Anyway, I'll, um, I'll wrap up now, but I, I think the point I wanted to make was that if, if, if you're not interested in like Eastern spiritual anything and you think you haven't heard of the concept of attachment before, um, then pop culture is maybe an accessible way to think of it and to, to realize what a problem it is. And it's a fairly easy and safe place to play in because the stakes are so low. I mean, the worst that's going to happen is you pay money at the cinema to see a movie that's not that great uh, because you're so attached and you you'll look over the, the the not greatness because you're so attached to these you know to the intellectual property and the characters that you know but i think it's it's clear to me that um yeah attachment means we're willing to overlook flaws it means we get overly invested in being right um in not allowing something to be bad, which is so strange to me. It's like, why, what do you lose from admitting that something's not that good, um, even if you like it? Um, why, why have you imprinted either it on your identity or your identity on it? Like, why are you now tied up in the success? Why are you now personally invested in the success of this thing, whether it's Star Wars or the Marvel, next Marvel thing? If attachment is able to throw off uh, or sort of toxify or ruin things that are, generally speaking, fairly innocuous, I mean, you know, a movie about space wizards um, or a movie about movies about superheroes, um, if we're able, if our attachment is able to cloud and throw off our judgment for things that, generally speaking, don't matter then imagine what they're doing in situations where we're even more personally invested, where it's, you know, to do with family relationships or politics or arguments with colleagues at work or, you know, a project you've been working on and, you you know, you don't want the other person at work to take any credit when, you know, actually they do deserve some credit um, or, you know, anything where you've got pride involved or your own body, um, as with, you know, uh, yeah, people against vaccine mandates and spreading misinformation um, about, you know, COVID because they're just, they're so attached 
to the idea of being in complete control of their own bodies to the extent that they overlook the fact that sometimes medicine is good for you um you know or or situations where we're not even entitled to be in that space like with the dep her trial people's careers are at stake um and also you know we're so attached to being a fan of johnny depp that you know we fail to appreciate that you know the, the collective ripple effect of all of us just jumping on amber heard um m- maybe look if i'm if, if i'm going to approach it with the with the best faith interpretation possible if you really were just doing it because you think johnny Depp was right or whatever you you've still got to look beyond that you can't just be attached to you being right, you've actually got to step outside yourself and see the broader ripple effect of, you know, what collectively dumping on Amber Heard and coming up with memes and photoshops and all that sort of stuff does, what that communicates the broader online community in the world in terms of like how it's acceptable to just shit on women. Maybe your intention might not have been to shit on a woman uh, consciously or unconsciously, but um, that that is the I mean that is another thing that has come out of that trial. Again, attachment will always metastasize into something else. Um, and so from the insignificant like movies, um, pop culture, your favorite musician, you know, I mean we've seen it with you know what was it the the Bay, the Bay Hive with Beyonce. I mean you know someone did I remember a case years ago now where somebody what was it a baseball ma- uh, um, uh, basketball match lent across her to pass a drink to Kanye West and then everyone just jumped on this woman for leaning daring to lean in front of their you know queen and again it's like how attached are you not just to the person but how attached are you to your own fandom of her like you you're attached to the idea of you defending her. It's not just that you're attached to Beyonce and her music. You're actually attached to your own identity of being a fan to the extent that you you feel the need to abuse some woman online for passing a drink to someone uh, within you know in front of by leaning in front of her. So you know attachment will ruin innocuous things. And if it's able to do that, it, imagine what it's able to do to things that matter where having clear perceptions, clear access to the truth, right view uh, as, you know, it's one of the, the, the eight, one of the um, parts of the eightfold, um, the noble eightfold path, you know, clearly seeing things as they are. As soon as attachment's involved, you're not seeing things as they are anymore. You're not seeing movies as bad when they are because you're attached. You're not seeing, you're not allowing a trial to take place because, you you know, and unfold without your say. You don't need to have a say. (laughs) You don't need to have a say in somebody else's trial um, unless you're somehow directly involved. You don't need to have a say in somebody else's treatment you don't need to root for oh, i'm fucking hashtag team asthma like why you if you if you're not going to root for a diagnosis from a medical professional don't root for a verdict from a legal professional okay you are not involved and just because you love captain jack sparrow or the other ones he did with the funny makeup 
you just have to stand back and let it unfold. And maybe it'll come out in his favor, in which case you can pop a bottle of champagne and be happy that he won. Or it might come out in favor of Amber Heard, in which case you just have to go, you know what? I love Johnny Depp, but I'm not attached. So what I'm attached to is just the correct outcome. Um, it's not the wrong outcome just because it happens to disadvantage someone that I like. Okay, I'm attached ultimately to the truth. I can be fans of things. I can be fans of people. But ultimately, you should not be attached to anything and just let things be as they are because that's the only way you're ever going to get to the bottom of anything, whether it's getting to the bottom of is this piece of art or culture exploitative nonsense that I shouldn't be paying for or is it actually good? Because if you're attached to it, you're not going to allow yourself to admit that it's exploitative nonsense, okay? Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Please Give Me Your Money is not a good film. It's an okay film. But there's no need to rave about it. Oh, my God, Marvel knocked it out of the park. No, they didn't. Marvel built the park, and it's a small park they've put that they've contained our minds in. They've trapped our minds in a tiny Marvel park. So to knock things out of it does not take much effort anymore because they've they've utterly lowered our expectations because again they can rely on our unwavering attachment to stuff okay oh my god that that episode was the best yet because obi-wan fought darth vader it's not it's it's not that good it's okay okay and it's okay to say it's not okay okay um so attachment just clouds everything um just let things be as they are you don't need to wear team colors when we're talking about matters of truth. Okay, the universe isn't a spectator sport. Okay, reality isn't a spectator sport. Um, and the more you attach the things, uh, the further your uh, relationship from reality becomes. Um, and it's a bit silly. So uh, I'll wrap up there. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I will be watching episode six of Obi-Wan this uh, Wednesday. If it's already past Wednesday when I release this, then um, it's already out. Um, head on over to Patreon and let me know what you thought of the, the finale. It could surprise me, and I'm willing, perfectly willing to be surprised. If it's brilliant, I'll be yeah pleasantly surprised. And if it's not brilliant, um, I will also not be surprised <laughs> if it's not that good. Um, all right. Hope you're having a lovely time and um, chat again soon. Uh, please support the podcast by heading over to Patreon, the billing cycle thing. I think I've frozen it at the moment, but it will kick off again in July um, just while I yeah, get some things, some processes sorted. Uh, I'm not keen to be charging the, uh, the lovely bunch of people who already support me. Uh, I'm not keen to charge them while I'm figuring these things out so um, it's frozen at the moment but do head on over there and support me if you if you feel like it all right thank you so much and chat again soon bye